0: Welcome to another edition of the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today we are joined in studio by Northeastern coach Mike Glavin. The Huskies coach has won CAA Coach of the Year three times in eight seasons as head coach. Northeastern posted a record of 32-29-1 in 2022, falling just short of its second consecutive NCAA tournament bid with a loss to Hofstra in the CAA Championship game. Coach, Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, when I was writing this, I actually forgot that you guys went all the way to the championship series um, in the CIA tournament because it seemed like whenever we would connect in season, like you guys were having a tough time getting the luck to go your way. Yeah. Um, Now that you have a couple of months to reflect on the season, how, how will you view it? How do you look back on the season?
1: Well, it's still a successful season. You know, I think finishing with what you said, you know, we, we got to the championship game. And I think at the start of every season, if you can say, hey, we got to the championship game, we can get there, you take that, right? So um, in that perspective, we, we, we accomplished a lot. We won over 30 games, as you mentioned. I think we had five wins against top 15 teams in the country, um, highlighted by a win at Clemson and, and sweeping, uh, I think, number eight team in the country, NC State at that time. But it was an uneven season, you know, a little bit up and down. We, we couldn't... Um, um, we had a hard time getting some winning streaks together and putting some stuff together. So um, but the guys had some really great games. Um, we finished strong, as you mentioned, and uh, disappointing ending because we didn't defend our title to the fullest and, and get back to a regional. but, but again, if you look the whole body of work and what the team accomplished this year and get into that championship game, uh, you know when you can get to that game and it's a disappointment, I think that's we put ourselves in a pretty good position
0: yeah you guys were loaded uh with talent this year. You had three guys get drafted um Sebastian Keen and cam schlitler kind of all year were looked at as the guys. that were two of yeah. the top pitchers in the conference uh Thomas Balboni was another guy you had uh drafted um now as you as you go through it and everybody goes through it in baseball, you know you have uh like last season twenty twenty one you guys were just on fire yeah. start to finish ended up winning the conference <clears throat> tournament. What you, what kind of does the message change throughout the year? Like there are there times that you have to be hard on guys during a baseball season or do you usually just try to keep them loose when they're going through struggles?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a different year for us. I think um, coming into the season it was the most expectations we've had as a team since I've been the head coach. Um, so it was just a different different feeling, a different role. Um, we would pick preseason number one in the conference. You um, you know, I even read some stuff that maybe we were going to be nationally ranked at some point, all preseason stuff, all stuff that was, you know, on paper. Um, but I think it added some pressure to all of us, including the coaches, where you really wanted to defend the title, succeed, um, put a great squad out on the field. Um, and and I felt like it was just a little different vibe this year. I thought we had some stress and some pressure throughout the year. I thought we were a much looser group in 2021. Um, and I think there were a lot of factors for that, certainly it was, you know, coming off COVID and I think guys just really excited to be out on the field again and, and it was a different feeling whereas this past year we knew we were kind of back to normal for the most part um, and and I felt like we we had a lot of pressure and stress on us and I think at times we handled it well and other times I think we struggled with it so um, I think we learned a lot as coaches I think the returning players learned a lot and we we found out that teams were gunning for us you know we were no longer the fourth or fifth you know pick of preseason and a team that oh yeah you know they're on the calm they're a good squad you know that kind of stuff it was no. They're the team to beat. And I felt like we got a lot of teams' best games all year long from conference play to non-conference play. So, um, you know, and so it took us a little while to figure some of that stuff out. I think that's why you saw some up-and-down play until the end where I felt like our team really played its best baseball, you know, the the last day of the season in Delaware because it came down to that and then into the tournament.
0: Yeah, and that's when you want to peak, you know, all season long when you're going through the struggles. You're kind of like, hey, if we hit at the right time, if we're pitching, you know, when we get into the tournament – We could be right back where we were last year. Um, When you talked about the stress, like, do you think that was draft related for, you know, the guys that wanted to get drafted or, or how do you kind of see that play out throughout the course of the season?
1: I think you see all of it. You know, you see different age levels on a team like you do every year, right? It's, you know, the freshmen want to get out there. They want to fit in. They want to find a way to get on the field and help out. The sophomores are ready. They want to start. Um, And then the juniors are going into some draft stuff, and and they want to get drafted and play beyond Northeastern, certainly. So there's that added pressure. And then, again, adding in the fact that we thought we had a really talented team and and we wanted to, you know, win and defend our title. So you combine all those different – Um, stressors, you know, with with draft and with playing time and and trying to win and balance that and getting everybody's A game, I think think it just all kind of, you know, hit us at different times throughout the year. So, and it is only natural, you know, we have these conversations with our draft players every year. It's natural to, to have some extra anxiety, some stress. It's not something you should run away, right away from, in our opinion. It's something you talk about. You try to have fun with it. You embrace it. Of course they want to play beyond Northeastern, and we want that for them. So, you know, we want to be there to help them navigate that process throughout the year and put them in the best place to succeed. And, and as you mentioned, we had Thomas and Sebastian and, and Cam go in the draft. It was great to see. And, um, but, you know, they, they're dealing with some of that off-the-field stuff that maybe they weren't dealing with in years past.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Sebastian kind of dealt with it coming out of high school, but um, absolutely. But you know, it had been three years, I guess, since he had faced it. And then the other thing too, like you guys, um, there were some guys the previous year that were either drafted or that were big hitters in the lineup. I remember talking to uh, one—I can't remember who it was—one of your guys in like April was saying, you know, if we had our pitching and BC's hitting, but we haven't had guys kind of slide into those roles and take on those big offensive production roles um how do you see that f- playing out for next year do you have guys that you think will be more comfortable in those roles or got or new guys that you'll kind of slide in the middle of the order
1: yeah and a two-part answer for me there one you're right you know that's one thing we we tried not to talk about a lot was last year last year during this year but how can you not when you had Ben Malgiri, Jared Dupree, Scott Holswasser, Ian Fair, Kyle Murphy, Kyle Peterson. These are guys that have been in the program three, four, five years, had outstanding seasons. Um quality awesome young men and leaders you we lost a lot we returned a lot but we lost a lot not only talent wise but leadership so there was a piece there as well this year where you know your team i think we are looking around and say geez those guys aren't coming walking through the door right the old saying and and so that took a little adjustment for us um but i do again i think we learned from that this year to springboard to next year as you mentioned where okay now we, we've gone through this we've been the team to beat hopefully we've learned what it's like to um, deal with some of that added pressure and stress from the draft, from being picked high in the conference to all those different, you know, scenarios that can happen throughout a season. So we have to find a way as a coaching staff first and foremost to learn from that. You know, I fully expect our staff to be back and intact for this coming season. And so I think we've already had discussions, multiple discussions during the year. We, you know, over the summer already leading into the fall where, what did we learn as a coaching staff what do we need to do better those those are the first conversations we have every every offseason then then you start to talk about your roster and figure out okay these guys are all coming back now how do we get them better and make them more comfortable in the situations they'll be in so really feel great about the team coming back some of the additions that we have coming in certainly and being able to learn from what happened this year being
0: reflective is good especially when you're coming from a 30 win season where you're playing in the championship game like we don't want to make it sound like you had a 10 win season and you know you have to rebuild but um yeah, no, that's it's a good place to to be right now, where you're kind of looking into next year and saying what where can we make up some ground here. Uh, I wanted to, so we just you know the draft was last week. Um, so Sebastian was in the 18th round. Thomas, he was right around the 15. 15, okay. Yeah. And um, Cam was what, like Cam seven was or seventh, eight, yeah. Seven, okay. Yeah. And both Cam and Sebastian were picked by the Yankees. Yeah. Um, what is your connection like with the Yankees organization? Did you see them around a lot this year? And um, it, how how will that impact those guys being on the same team moving forward?
1: Yeah, it's great. Great question. Um, Cam and Seb, they go back. I'll start with that. They go back to high school. They pitched against each other in the Elite Eight. Um, so they've had a friendship and a rivalry at the, all at the same time. And then, you know, they arrive on campus here at Northeastern at the same time. Um, you know, big prospect for us. Both of them when they step foot on campus, they've been roommates, you know, their whole time here in Northeastern. So they're certainly very close. They're tight, great friends, great um, competitors. I think they compete off each other and feed off each other, but obviously also pull for each other. So to have them with the Yankees together is pretty special. Um, you know, I think I think our staff has a great relationship with all the Major League Baseball clubs. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly keeping them updated on our players, I think. I think that um, we're open and honest with our evaluations of our players with them and and i feel like we we just have great relationships with all the teams but the yankees in particular seem to be around more um in person Mm -hmm. uh they'll, they'll come to our practices they'll they'll see our workouts they'll come to a lot of our games Um, So they get a really good read on our players, not only from a statistical and data standpoint, but also just in person and and meetings and interviews and and watching them practice and work and take pregame and everything that goes into them being successful. So, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that the Yankees saw Cam and Sebastian's first bullpen they ever threw at Northeastern. Um, so I remember it and, and I remember the Yankees being there. So um, they're just they just there in person. you know they work really hard as all the Scouts do in the area. Um, and so we're excited to have those two guys together in a great organization like the Yankees and and um, you know we like to be open to those to those Scouts because they're working hard and doing the best they can for their organizations and we want them to be able to see our players.
0: Yeah, you think with uh, Sebastian, like, if he had the season he did in 2021, I don't know where he would have got drafted, maybe, you know, fourth or fifth round or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and as I was thinking back on his career at Northeastern, because he did have, he had two pretty good seasons, yeah. Um, yeah. and I was trying to figure out, like, what do you think happened to him, whether it was uh, maybe coming out of the pandemic, you know, he came on, he pitched a lot of innings his sophomore year, maybe his, you know, his velocity was down because his arm was tired, or... um Maybe he just has to get uh, stronger or something. I, and I reached out to somebody on the Yankees, and he said, you know, I think he's going to be a great pitcher when he's 25 years old. What do
1: you think he has to do between now and then? Well, I think, um, you know, strength is still he, – he's still <laughs> – I watched him on that MLB combine, and I saw him on TV, and – um he looked like an 18 year old. still. So he looks like a young kid in a good way. You yeah. know, uh, he just looks still so young. And I agree with that. What he's going to be at 25 is going to be, you know, something special. Um, so I think he just has to continue to physically mature. And he's an elite mover. He has elite arm speed. He has elite hand speed. None of that has changed. He still runs his fastball up to 95. Um, he still can have a wipeout slider. He worked really hard at Northeastern to get a curveball and a change up. Those pitches will still develop for him. Um, so he's still still in the developmental stages of his his, his career and, and his pitching career. He's a Northeast arm where he did pitch a lot his sophomore year. There's no question about it. All of those guys did. Our guys did um, because we did have a fall season that year during COVID. And then they, we had a pretty much a full season that year. And then that was their, you know, summer to be down the Cape. So, Cam, Seb, and some of our pitchers, they really threw a lot that year. So um, they had to play catch-up, you know, from losing their freshman year not getting a full season, then getting a a full season their sophomore year. So I feel like they're really still a year behind in their development. Um, So I think, you know, to me the Yankees get a steal. I think they get an elite mover, like I said, a tremendous athlete, a hard worker, and a kid who has big, big, big upside. Um, and you just take the numbers and throw them out the window. Uh, I don't think, I know in today's day and age they're important, certainly, but um, I also watched him, you know, pitch one of his best games ever for us as his last game in the tournament and put us in an awesome position to get to the championship game. Um, so I know the sky's the limit for him and, and nothing's changed. He's just going to continue to get better.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the two decks to each other, Cam and uh, Sebastian, we had them both. Or I, they were on the cover of yeah, our uh, yeah. spring edition, um, and Cam just looks physically like he can probably handle you know the workload a little bit more. He's just a big guy. He looks like he can probably even put a little bit more weight on. Yeah. But yeah, Sebastian, like you said,
1: he looks more maybe like a swimmer or something like yeah. that. He's a he's, he's a tall. great skier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's good. He really is. He just has different movements. And like you said, yeah. Cam is just is is strong. Yeah, and he'll continue to get stronger.
0: Yeah. And Thomas Balbona, he's an interesting one because he's not from New England. Um, watching him pitch, he's like uh, it, w- it was a little bit of a high wire act sometimes, yeah. you know, closing games. And then, um, like we would, t- we got photos of him to run with, uh, you know, game recaps or stuff like that. And he he's not always like looking at home plate when he's mm-hmm, pitching mm-hmm. sometimes. And he- but somehow, you know, he gets the job done. He's got high velocity. Yeah. Like,
1: what, what do you think his pro career will look like? He's another one just physically needs to mature. Um, he just continue to add to his body. You know, he's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, righty, wiry. Um, he, he's been up to 97. You know, he and he has a plus breaking ball. He checks a lot of boxes from the from the data perspective. High spin rate guy, um, tremendous um, delivery, smooth, uh, fluid. I know the head gets offline a little bit, but his mechanics and what he does and and how he delivers the baseball is, is pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know he was he didn't his numbers weren't uh, he didn't pitch a ton for us. I probably should have used him more. So that just goes to show you I don't know what I'm doing, but um, I probably should have pitched him more. But he also needs to continue working on durability which he has since the end of the season and um he's an interesting one because it's all there the stuff's there the body's there he just needs to get stronger and pitch more and he's another guy of course I'm biased about our guys but I think he's a steal I think I think he really has a great chance to progress nicely throughout the Padres system
0: yeah and you guys so with three uh MLB draft picks you had the most of any colonial athletic team so that was um also a nice cap to the season yeah it's exciting um Wanted to ask, so there are a couple of guys emerged this year. I don't know, I, unexpectedly for me, probably not for you because you're uh, a lot more tied into the program. But um, Mike Serrata, he was a really good freshman, especially um, in like April. He came, or not April, probably more like February or March for the yeah. college season. But that yeah. first month, he was really good. Uh, Yost, uh, you used him in a bunch of different roles this year. He was really strong. Who are some of the guys you kind of build around that are coming back next year?
1: Yeah, well, those are two. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, start with Mike offensively. You know, he could have been our our best player offensively, really. Um, He does so many things well as a freshman, uh, elite defender, elite arm, elite speed. Um, above average bat speed, has power. I mean, he really can do it all. Um, he, you know, he got dinged up a couple times this year and going to stay healthy, but um, he was trending towards having just a really impactful, incredible freshman season. So we, we really missed him, you know, the last five or six weeks offensively. So he's tearing it up down the Cape right now. Uh, he he 's really swinging the bat well they love him down there, um, and I really think that kid has has a very, very bright future ahead of him, um, mm-hmm. so you'll look for him to have a huge impact for us next year and lead off second third somewhere and playing center field. Yost like you mentioned, um, pitching down the cape, having some really good success down at the Cape, um, pitching really well for y d He did a lot of roles like you mentioned, look for him now to slide right into the rotation here with cam and Seb leaving um, and take a take a weekend spot. Um he, he's I mean he's up to 95 96 you know and he's got a really good breaking ball his changeups coming along he needs that third pitch I think to take him to another level um, but look for him on the weekends Wyatt Scotty um, you know he's I don't want to say he's the Greg Maddox of pitching, but for us, is he's he pitched a couple of games that are under two hours this year, nine inning games. Just he just gets the ball, goes pounds the strike zone, throws strikes at a high percentage. Has a plus plus change up. Um, really can command his fastball. His sliders improved so much. So he's a guy that will you know continue to be in the rotation for us. He's been there since the freshman his freshman year. So we look for him and you know him and Yosty to be in the in the ro- rotation for us on the weekend we got some guys coming in, obviously some freshmen that we're high on. We'll see how those guys battle it out. Um, Pat Harrington comes in as a transfer for us. We look forward to getting him on the mound, and what he can do from Assumption. Griffin Young had an outstanding career at Wheaton, so we look forward to having him come in and compete as well. And then look for some returning guys, guys that are ready. Now when you see guys move on through graduation and, and, um, and through the draft, you look at guys like Michael Gemma. Uh, Jake Gigliotti, Nick Davis, guys that have been in our organization and our program now that are really ready to take a step forward.
0: Yeah, you had a a really nice impact uh, from one of your transfers last year, uh, Jordy Allard, and he's on the Cape, uh, doing really well now. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division One, Two, II, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.
2: Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. This fall, Quincy College in Quincy, Massachusetts, drops the puck on its first ever hockey season in the City of Presidents, just 10 minutes from Boston. The Granite, as they're known, will play in the CHF, Collegiate Hockey Federation, against Babson, Mass Maritime, Nichols, Sacred Heart, and D3 programs at UNH and Farmingdale State in New York. The Quincy College Granite will be well coached. Kyle Robertson has been coaching regional junior teams for 20 years, and over 100 of his players have gone on to NCAA programs. Kyle's assistant is Matt Gibbons who's been coaching at North Quincy High for 12 years and won three titles there. Three years ago, he was the MIAA Coach of the Year. And as far as the educational part, Quincy College has a lot to offer. 37 different two-year degrees, and it's super affordable. There's even a new four-year business management degree that costs much less than other four-year schools. Want to make some history in a first-year hockey program? Now's your chance. Get more info at quincycollege.edu forward slash hockey.
0: I remember I was down uh, at UConn. Um, I don't know what it, March or some sometime around that, and he had like twelve transfers that were uh, contributing to, or Coach Penders had about twelve transfers, and he was just saying like he learned when he was in the American uh, Conference that you couldn't always win with freshmen. You know, mm-hmm. you needed to kind of yeah. stock your roster with uh, transfers. He had a ton of them last year. Um, and I know it sounds like, you know, you you obviously had Jordy be a big contributor last year. He may end up signing. Uh, do you? Has your philosophy changed at all on transferring or the NCAA transfer portal? Or are you, are you still doing what you've always done?
1: I think it has changed. You know, we have to change with the times and what's going on. And But Jordy's a perfect example. You know, I'm glad you mentioned him. Just incredible season for us. Another guy that he can do it all, start, close, long relief, short relief, takes the ball, can, can't pitch him enough because he gets bored. If I don't pitch him, he gets annoyed at me, so I got I to get him out there. Um, but he's a perfect example when you add a transfer who's, who's had success – comes from a program that you 're familiar with a great program at babson we 're familiar with the program we 're familiar with the coaches those are slam dunk transfers those those aren 't so to us that's there 's not a lot of high risk there you know you, you get a really good Feedback and information from their coaching staff. You know, you get an outstanding, standing character kid along with a talented kid. Jordy was, a, was a seamless transition as seamless transitions you'll ever have for a transfer. So, I think we are changing. The game is changing. I think we Northeastern baseball needs to adjust as well. Um, I, I felt I think we had one of the youngest teams in our conference this year, mm-hmm. as as you mentioned. You you can see that when you we started a lot of freshmen at times, four of them plus some guys coming out of the you know on the mound and you look out and the other teams are are more physical than you and older and you and you know they've had some transfers or older players in their program so I think you can enhance your, your your roster certainly through the transfer portal. You end up losing your own guys, which we have done this year. Some of our guys have decided to go in a different direction um, and, and try to get more playing time and pitching time, which is natural and great for them. And then we need to fill those voids through through the transfer portal. Also have to fill the void of guys being drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you can add a 21-year-old, a 20, 20, 22-year-old to your roster that's ready to play and had success – and they're coming from programs that you trust and their coaching staffs. You know, to me I think it's um, it's a really great situation. So you don't want to I think it's like anything we almost equate it to like pro pro ball, right? Like our major league team, you still want to build up your farm system so to speak, which is all you're recruiting and try to keep bringing in that young talent, young talent and develop it. But every now and then you got to add through, you know, free agency or the transfer portal and fill some holes that you have that are immediate needs. And we feel like we've done that this year.
0: Yeah, I remember coming down uh, for that story, you know, for that spring preview uh, that we did and Jordy was in the bullpen. We talked for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. He's just throwing, you know, he's pitching the entire time in the bullpen. And you're like, you can't get this guy yeah, out of the bullpen. Yeah. He's in there
1: every day. He, and you can't get enough of guys like that. He's a special yeah. kid. Or he's just a hard worker. He's a true team player. And, and, and there you go. There's a, there's a transfer that's an absolute perfect fit. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, with the transfer reporter, like you said, guys end up leaving too. What are those conversations like? Are they, you know, hey, I'm leaving, okay, get out of here, or like, do you, what? How does that go?
1: No, I don't. I don't hope they're not like that. They haven't been. You know, I don't want them to be. I think you got to have uncomfortable conversations. Um, but. You can make them, um, you know, you can try to do what's best for the student athlete and try to help them or or just have mature conversations, you know, where, you know, from their perspective, they're maybe not happy with playing time or pitching time. And, um, you know, we're coming off a season, like I said, we sort of an up and down year. But I think at the end of the regular season, we were third in the country in ERA. Um, when I say that, like, we really pitched well. So it's hard to get innings, you know, sometimes, obviously, when you have a staff like that. So, you know, some pitchers, they want to go somewhere where they feel like they can get on the field earlier. And I understand not 100%. And, and that's one of the reasons why the transfer portal is there. And same with position players where, you know, they want to get out there and play. And if they feel like they can go somewhere else and get a better opportunity, get more at-bats, it doesn't need to be a conversation, hopefully, that's, you know, contentious or you just slam the door. It's not like that. It's, to me, at least our conversations this year, because we did have some players leave, those conversations were, I understand, okay, Um, what can we do to help you? If there are any teams you want us to reach out to? Or, you know, once you get on that portal, whatever it may be, you know, if you're talking to teams, have them call us you know so you're trying to help those guys and or you from the coaching's perspective and you're telling those kids they want to know where they stand for the following year as well and so you may say to them hey this is where we see how many innings you're getting or how many at bats you're getting and they may not have an intention of leaving and then when they hear that they may say okay maybe i'm i'm going to look somewhere else and go play somewhere else so but to me you can have those uncomfortable mature conversations in a way where you're still going to help the student athlete any way you can, and so we've had some guys move on. They found new programs. Excited for those guys. I hope they don't come back and haunt us and beat us. But I'm really happy that they've been able to move on. And hopefully, find a spot that they're going to thrive and, and succeed at. I
0: mentioned uh, Mike. Sir, is it Sirota or Sirota? Sirota. Sirota. Yep. Okay. Yep um so he came in and contributed right away which is unusual for this level of d1 baseball you know for guys to come in you had you've had guys do it before but uh like you said it's a little bit easier to project the transfers you know especially that have performed at the high level around new england uh, do, how do you like your 2022 recruiting class the guys coming in this fall and do you see any guys kind of sliding in right away
1: well, we love them, of course, right? Now's the time you love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'd say that every year at this time. And um, but this is a great time. We're starting to transition to the fall. You know, we certainly have wrapped up this past season. Had our had our um, you know meetings that we've talked about and, and getting excited about seeing these new guys come in so um, we love it we think we have a great balance of position players and pitchers we have some guys we think that will come in and step in and play right away and start and pitch for us and we have some of the guys that may need to develop and I think that's natural for any freshman class and I'll, I'll say that to them I've already said it to them you know multiple times where freshmen come in And they develop at different times, different paces, and some guys are going to play, and some guys aren't. Mm -hmm. And and you can look at our roster and probably any roster across the country and say the same thing. You can look at our roster last year, like I mentioned, we had some freshmen contribute, start, and play every day and pitch, and then we had some other guys, you know, had to wait their time and didn't get out there. That'll be looking to be ready to go this year. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like any other freshman class. We're excited right now. I think we have a great mix of position players here. I think we get some 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 holes filled and needs. You know, catcher, a couple in. Feel as an outfielder, um, on top of some pitchers that I think could be future weekend starters for us and and key bullpen pieces. So I'd look for some of these guys to contribute contribute right away for us.
0: That's exciting. Um, now the, the so right now is a big time in recruiting, big time of year. July it seems like you know everybody's hosting camps or you're getting out of ch- uh, getting a chance to see guys. Um, so there have been guys over the last few days, twenty twenty four 2024s that are announcing commitments, some to Northeastern. I can't ask you about those guys. You're not allowed to talk about them uh, by NCAA rule. But how does the recruiting happen right now for Northeastern? Are you having guys on campus? or Are you more, you know, getting out to games and seeing guys or is it?
1: All, all of the above. Well, you're, it's all, I mean, you're right. Like right now is the, is the uh, peak time really, right? So mid, mid to late July, um, tournaments are getting close to wrapping up and things are, uh, I don't want to say winding down. Summer's not over yet here. Let's enjoy it. But um, it goes fast and, um, you know, kids are going to be back to school soon and playing fall sports and that sort of stuff. So we're, we're right at the peak here. Um, so we're just out seeing as many games as we can having daily conversations as a coach and staff about recruiting you know deciding on offers deciding on who to go see and when and where um, looking at different classes you know we're recruiting from multiple classes right now so you're just trying to juggle all of it and trying to get it to as many uh, events as you can hosting some events on your own campus of course and um, prospect days and camps and those sort of things um, to see as many kids as you can but we're all going in different directions. We're constantly texting each other as coaches, you know, who we see, what we liked, what we didn't like, all those different things, trying to put as much information on the table as a coaching staff, Um, meet in person every, you know, once in a while, Um, because again, we're not all together. Um, but it is, it's, it's a really busy time right now, probably stressful time for the recruits um, and, and parents and everything that's going on. So we're just, we're trying to get to as many games as possible, have those recruiting conversations and, and trying to get the best players we can and the best fits for Northeastern.
0: Right. Now, I, I don't know if you remember this, you were one of our first uh, podcast guests for, for this podcast and I went through, we did, we did the whole interview. It was a lot of, um, you know, Northeastern specific questions And I remember my dad uh, followed up with me after, and he's like, hey, I love that interview. That was a great interview. They live in Delaware, my parents. And he's like, is he related to Tom Glavin? And I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I I didn't even (laughs) touch on that in the interview. So for anyone who doesn't know, we should go over that. Um, You're Tom Glavin's brother, and uh, what was it like? So everybody knows Tom Glavin. uh, I don't know if everybody knows, but he was drafted uh, by the Kings in the NHL. He was drafted in Major League Baseball. Um, he probably could have done either one and been a great, you know, player. He's a Hall of Famer. What was it like growing
1: up in that house with a, yeah, with a brother like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do remember that podcast. So I'm surprised I got invited back. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so I guess it wasn't too bad, but, um, yeah, growing up with a famous brother was uh, was challenging at times. You know, it, it's funny some of the guys don't know that we're recruiting now that that who he is or um, that I have a famous, you know, fairly famous brother in the baseball world, right? So I think they're starting to know him through video games and MLB The Show, and and I think that's how they know him really, obviously because he's not hasn't played in what eight, nine, ten years, more than that, probably fourteen, fifteen. I guess his Hall of Fame was eight, nine years ago, but. Um, you know, it, it was great. It was great. You know, I think he. there's a seven-year um, age difference between him and I, so he was the older brother slash idol, someone I looked up to, you know, kind of wanted to try to be and failed miserably, but tried, um, but had fun doing it. You know, he, he was... Growing up, great brother, like always let me tag along. I was always the bat boy on the baseball teams and hockey, you know, stick boy on the hockey teams. Like I was everywhere uh he was for the most part, and he'd always let me tag along on wiffle ball games and street hockey games and that sort of stuff. So uh great brother, and then just kind of let me do my own thing too. You know, I don't he wasn't like a uh a shadow always watching over me and giving me a, you know a million tips. It was kind of just whenever I needed something or I wanted to talk baseball with him. But um I learned like everything I learned was just through watching him and just being around him. Yeah. maybe more than the conversations just watching him how he did his work how he worked in the off season, how hard he worked uh he he's not six five wasn't throwing 95 you know he's six feet six one and threw 88 to 92 early in his career and then you know a little slower than that and he had to figure out ways to be successful so I just learned a lot from being around him and watching him and and obviously being around my parents and just kind of how we were brought up but um it was fun you know I could listen to so many perks I've been, been to all those world series games and they had so much success and Um, It was just a blast being a part of, you know, all of that and seeing – all those crazy baseball games and the major league games and seeing him fail and succeed. You know, what a lot of people don't realize, he really struggled early in his career and they don't remember, you know, he was, I think, seven and 17, his first full year in the big leagues and they were dead last and there was, you know, nobody going to the games and a hundred loss team and that sort of stuff. And they built that, that organization up and obviously got the one world series and had a tremendous amount of success. So it was a blast. Like, you know, having your older brother be in the big leagues and all-stars and all that kind of fun stuff was just just a lot of fun
0: yeah and you made it sound like um you said you failed to uh, to live up to it but uh I read that, uh, I, I didn't know this until I just read it preparing for this interview, you actually played on the same big league team as him. You were teammates with the uh, New York Mets. So obviously
1: your baseball career was a huge success if you made it to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that, but I'll take it. It was, it was a lot of fun trying. I was a career minor leaguer and I had fun doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and I'll try to pass along those sort of stories to the guys that I coach now and what pro ball is like. I don't think it's changed a ton, yeah. um, but it was certainly a lot of fun. And now you can't – would you ever
0: ask him like uh, to make a recruiting call for you or something like that? No, I can't do that. I wouldn't do
1: that. But, um, you know, he's – when I first started coaching, he would get to some of our games down south and watch the team play. So that was a lot of fun. And um, he sees us. You know, we were down there in Auburn and College of Charleston and some of the places down because he's in Georgia and and, and uh, in Florida where he lives. So um, when he's around, he gets to the games and gets a chance to watch the team. And he follows him from a distance. So we'll have some good conversations. And and then when we go recruiting, like if we go in Georgia, you know, which is some really big events in Georgia, I, I got a you know I got a nice place to to stay and a nice car to drive while I'm down there. (laughs)
0: there you go uh so what will the last question for you what will the rest of the summer look like for you is it is is august as busy
1: recruiting wise or do you you get a chance to take a break august is a little slower you know we're going to finish strong here in july um into the first week of august i may or may not be going on a vacation here I, i can't disclose that but i'll probably be away for a week for sure at least um heading out with our family but um you know, I know we're in great hands with Kevin, you know, Cobb who's just an outstanding pitching coach, guys I, I should have mentioned already, but our staff is awesome. You know, I, I just love what those guys do and how hard they work and Coach Cobb, our pitching coach, as I mentioned, Nick Puccio who, who works with the hitters, those guys do a tremendous job not only developing our current players but recruiting and, and Chris Bosco who's our, our volunteer assistant who's just, just incredible. So blessed to have those guys as a part of the staff and be around. So I'm lucky I can go away and know that we are in good hands and then those guys will maybe have a little fun towards the end of August and get a chance to go away with their families. But we'll be grinding it out here for the next couple of weeks for sure, recruiting, and then it'll start to slow down, you know, mid to late August. Well, enjoy it. If you do get a chance to go on vacation,
0: you definitely deserve it. Um, thanks to Mike Lavin for joining us in studio for the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.